and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. <laughs> Little too close, Jesse. Little too close. It's too scary. Halloween was like a few months ago, wasn't it? What do you mean Halloween? I'm just saying. It's the iconic shot of this show. My fat, bald, happy pitchers and catchers to you and yours. Here we go, everybody. Happy pitchers and catchers, everybody. Yes. Oh, look at them go. Happy pitchers and catchers. I got the same move. Oh, and in a circle. I love when the camera. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm raising the roof. A day that lives long in the hearts of all Canadians. The visions of freshly cut grass, palm trees, rolling baseballs, pitchers covering first base means that spring shall soon be upon us. That despite being in the midst of Mother Winter's bosom here in the Great White North, that baseball will soon, I said bosom, will soon return to our home and native land and Jesse with it, a spring and summer. That despite many of our warm embraces to the season of winter that brings us ice hockey, ODRs, skiing, snowboarding, curling, and drinking, that we are ready to return we are ready to turn the page to baseball, golf, opening oh. patios, and seeing people in clothes that don't cover their entire body. Vitamin D, and most of all, dare I say it, in February, summer. Summer, the promise like boys to men on bended knee. Jesse Rubinoff, a promise. That summer is indeed on its way. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm with you. You don't see. I, I just there was like an entire <laughs> diatribe. We had we had music. We had Brazil. Sebi, are you with me on this? Or what? I feel like Olaf in summer. In summer. What are you doing over there? Great character. No, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I just no, I, you're not. I'm pumped. I just I, don't it, change it now. Don't waffle. February you're 16th. Say it, stand your ground. Yeah, it's February 16th. Summer is summer. Like spring. Yes. Spring is one thing. Summer is like a fire. Guys, guys, can we just get it's half a year away? I don't care if it's Hazel May's report. Can we get some sort of picture? from baseball town that is not the the postcard that we made some valentine's show. day now just just wait a second right. here rubinoff and tell me when you see video like this you don't start imagining that summer is on its way it's summer for them basically look at this he got he's got a sleeveless shirt on and you're not getting excited no, I, that, that, got, there's no sleeves no, on the shirt there put, either now you're putting words in my mouth i did not i, I am very excited but yeah i'm just saying summer what what do they call what do they call baseball <laughs> players? The boys of what? The boys of February 16th. No, they don't. They call them the boys of summer, Jesse. <laughs> summer is on its way. And when we start talking about pitchers and catchers, no, the board, we Let's understand go. Let's go. spring is here because it's called okay, okay, Wait for it. Spring training. Stop your awkward arm celebrations here and listen to what Uncle Timmy's saying to you. I'm listening. After spring training comes what? 
Um, <clears throat> did you hear that voice crack? Yeah. <laughs> I do not want after fries spring training, with that, sir. After spring training comes the regular season. A, do you have a moist towel for me? Then comes summer. <laughs> summer. 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 Yeah, I got it. I got it. Oh, that's right, kids. Kids, oh, yeah, pitchers and catchers. Too good. Uh, maybe just the simpleton in front of you uh, thinks that that is where we're at right now. No, I'm okay it's, with it's it. Reasonable. Jesse, I guess I'm the only one. Shai Davidi, Ross no, Atkins, not. Rob Manfred, all from Dunedin coming up on this show. But not just pitchers and catchers. Uh, the Leafs don't play down <laughs> to their competition for a change on this show. The hot stove is overheating. Jesse Lee's smiling right now at things that I have no idea what he's smiling about. We'll are you seeing it. tweets? I'm, Someone am, talking yeah. to you in I your am. ear? Like, what are you giggling about over I there? Uh, Mish writes in, says, Tim McAuliffe, you are a whole mood. Love it and agree a thousand percent. I've been nah, giddy all week. Bring on baseball and the boys of summer. There Mish can't be the only one. I didn't want to like bring it and bring no, it down. No, you already said, did. Did I you got Tiger teeing off today? Yeah, and this is what you're doing? Today. Yeah, you're right. Tiger's playing. It's a serious day for me. So I'm just, I got a lot of, my attention's being split in a lot of different places. That's all I'll say. But doesn't seeing golf and Pebble Beach and eventually the Masters also signify to you that summer is on its way and 100%. that you'll be out you're watching right. baseball 100%. and playing golf? No, no, you're waffling on me and I don't like it. If you're going to stand your ground, you stand your ground on this show. Well, then you're going to keep coming back. I can keep, you're going to keep going after me. I'm going to just back down. And after promising to dig a little deeper on the ailments that surround what could be a glorious time for Canadian soccer, we're going to do that today. Rash Madani, as the women kick off the She Believes Cup, of course, under protest against the world number one, the United States of America. So we'll talk to Arash, we'll get a little context, then the commissioner of the CPL and CEO of Canada Soccer Business, Mark Noonan, in what I believe to be his first televised interview in the role. I don't know if they call this exclusive, Jesse, I don't know what they call it, but a lot of folks have wanted to hear from the CSB and their role in all this. So we will talk to the CEO coming up here in the first hour, and I will try my best to explain to the non-soccer fans out there why they should give a bleep and stick around. Fair enough, Jesse? Is love that we, we can't agree on maybe the first spot, or maybe I convinced you because I kept yelling at you <laughs> and you just wanted to move on. I understand that as well, but we can agree on this one. No doubt. Okay. It's not like we have a lot to talk about in first things first right this. I was just trying to move us along, you know? All right, yeah. And without further ado, from your humble narrator, <laughs> shout out, Hebsey. Let's get to it, starting with first things first. So what's the word, man, John Herdman? First nice. First. Okay, Tim's not wrong. It's almost the spring. And then it's almost the summer. And we start in Dunedin, where Blue Jays pitchers and catchers officially reported for spring training today. There were plenty of changes this offseason, but most of the spots on the 26-man roster seem to be spoken for already. One spot that is up for grabs is the fifth starter, which will likely be one of Mitch White or Yusei Kukuchi. I think that, you know, you have two guys. You have Yusei and you have Mitch, who both, you know, spent their off-seasons building up into um, that starter role. Um, you know, right now, Mitch is a little bit behind, I think, um, in terms of workload ramp up. He had a little bit of a right shoulder impingement, so he's throwing, but he's a little bit behind. Um, and I love what I've seen out of Yusei so far. He's made some some small tweaks with his arm path and spent a lot of time in the offseason working on it. Um, so, yeah, we got to kind of base it on, you know, both of their workloads and their ramp up in camp. And, you know, thankful that we have six weeks instead of three to kind of evaluate that. I think, um, yeah, the sky's the limit. It's just a matter of kind of putting it all together. Uh, you know, I think our defense got a lot better. 
Um, and so I think all those little things that, um, you know, Ross and them have done to, to bring players and guys in, uh, I think is going to be huge. Well, Gossman says the sky is the limit. Do you think this year's Jays team is better than last year's version? <laughs> you can't just let me enjoy day one of pitchers and catchers. I've got to go on record with whether or not they'll be better than last year. Well, you have six weeks to opening day, so you can, <laughs> you can opt out if you want. Uh, more wins or last longer in the postseason? Here, here's wins. why I here, wins. Here, here's why. So regular season. Yeah, sure. Really? Would you say the same thing about the Leafs? What? Well, I, I think it's. I think it's different. <laughs> Here, here's here's why I asked the question. Like I really think there's going to be a lot of tinkering, like some real adjustments to the rule changes, and I think we're going to see some wacky stats out of the blocks. I think we're going to see some wacky records out of the blocks, depending on how teams adjust to all of these rule changes in baseball, the bigger bases. I'm not saying Vince Coleman's going to show up for some team, but I'm already hearing rumors that Dalton Varsho's base running is a big reason why the Jays went out and got him. The left-handed bats added to the order. I think that's part of the shift. I mean, even Kevin Gossman, right? Like, we heard from him earlier today having to talk about he being one of the pitchers that has to change his delivery because of new rules that exclude basically the rockabye baby. Yeah, it's going to be a little weird. You know, it'll be different. Um, like anything, you know, um, you do something long enough, like you just develop weird habits of doing things. Um, but, you know, now that it's a rule, you know, <laughs> I definitely need to um, kind of reevaluate. If you're trying to look uh, at a mechanical adjustment or a delivery that you can change, I mean, this is the perfect time to do it, you know. So um, that's the good thing is that we have nothing but time right now. Yeah, how much time? Like, yeah. <laughs> adjusting on the fly? It's pretty significant. Like, I have on my computer here, uh, Luis Garcia is also one of the pitchers that's going to have to change his wind-up according to the uh, MLB's new Bach rules. Yeah, so, there, he's not the only one. Clevenger as well. There's there's a bunch of pitchers that are going to have to adjust, but like uh, Gossman said, Was this really a weeks. problem? In what way? Well, like, why did they change this rule? Was this really a problem? Like, this is in the history of Major League Baseball. Guys with funky deliveries. Yeah, I don't know. They might have overthought this one. But. Yeah, I think, they, I think they overthought this one. Either way, uh, we'll hear from Shai Davidi a little later on on the rule changes. We're also going to hear from Rob Manfred and Ross Atkins later on in the show. But as you mentioned, we got a bunch of stuff here. I cannot wait to get to more content here in First Things First. And we go to the NHL. Eight games in the National Hockey League tonight, including three games on the Sportsnet family of channels. Bruins, Preds, Red Wings, Flames, and Sharks, Golden Knights. Last night, the Canucks lost 6-4 to the Rangers. The fourth straight game, Vancouver has allowed five-plus goals. Not very good. Meanwhile, the Oilers dropped their second straight game to a nine-playoff team in a 5-4 shootout loss to the Red Wings, pretty wild one there. And in Toronto, Austin Matthews scored in his return to the Leafs lineup as they beat the Blackhawks 5-2. We've talked a lot this season about the Leafs playing down to their competition. Obviously, they were massive favorites last night. Were you encouraged to see them beat up on one of the league's bottom feeders? Nah, encouraged, night? nah. But having the Hart Trophy winner back in the lineup and seeing what he did 
on a play that apparently he called. Nine like, seconds in? For Leaf fans, I don't know if you know this, but while the rest were going to Cabo and Cancun, uh, he was in Toronto rehabbing, and apparently he drew up this play. He suggested this play to get Willie Nylander open. Now it helps that the defenseman fell down. But the, these are all encouraging signs, and if you just look at the Leafs' numbers against the bottom feeders, you've got to take care of competition. The Bruins do it, the Lightning do it, and when you look at the standings and you wonder what's the difference between Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, a lot of it is how they play against these bad teams. Yeah. The, the Leafs have six wins in 14 games against the bottom eight teams in the National Hockey League. The Bruins are 11-0-1. The Lightning are 13-0-2. Like, if the Leafs take care of business against those bottom feeder teams, I'm not saying they're ahead of Boston, but they are ahead of Tampa by a significant margin. So that's why that was a thing. And I, I'd rather focus on Matthews if I were a Leaf fan, but I get why that's a thing. Uh, on the other side of the coin, the Blackhawks are very, very bad. Yeah. Like, very, very bad. So, I, I guess I ask you, uh, is it tough to see Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane in this situation? Yeah, I tried to say that before, and no one kind of – like, I think, the, I think the league has a problem. Yeah. Like, I, I really do. Like, they're stuck on their team because their team sucks and their contract – like, they've outgrown their contract. And I know that there are those out there who will say, well, don't sign them to as much – after they won their, what, three Stanley Cups? Like, yeah. where, where, where do we draw the line on Kane and Taves? But let me just ask you this. Mm -hmm. So, is this good for the players? No. Is this good for the team that they can't trade two players that other teams could definitely use but can't fit under their cap? No. Definitely. So, is this good for the league? No. You don't no. want star players rotting and losing and tanking. No, so they, can, they need to change something here. And I know that there are people, ah, well, they signed the contract. They got to live with the contract. No other league does this happen, even with salary caps. Mm -hmm. No other league do you have stars like Kane and Taves languishing on teams that are trying to be crap. Like, it's, it, to me, it's mind-boggling that the NHL allows this to happen. That's all I'm saying. They got to change something and allow for movement because it benefits the players, the team, and the league. Yeah. Well, the rumors aren't stopping, right? There, there's going to be rumors up until trade deadline. We'll see if Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, one or the other, is eventually moved. But to your point, watching that last night, now Taves in play. Yeah, we, don't have, we don't have the time to actually peel the onion. Yeah. But maybe we can in the next little while. Um, you want to talk about the Oilers for a quick second here? Because there's, oh, there's yeah, a lot the Jason of Gregor directions. tweet yeah. that just came out um, <laughs> to recap. Today, Oilers put no one on waivers. Woodcroft confirms Yamamoto will play tomorrow, so Oilers have to make a trade or put two players who don't need on waivers or place someone else with at least a $1.25 million cap hit on LTIR. And guess who didn't practice? Yeah. Jesse Pugliarvi. So either Pugliarvi goes on to waivers, and then you can't really... Like, you would assume that he would get picked up, right? Yes. Like, I think this is a deal on the horizon. No, I think that's what Jason Greger is attempting to insinuate yes. here, that there may be a deal on the horizon. That is rather exciting. Yeah. So, Maybe like, it'll uh, break during the show. We will keep our eye and ear to the ground. I don't know if we can keep our eye to the ground, but we'll keep our ear to the ground. Yeah. We'll I'm, I'm locked in over here, so it's all, it's all good. Awesome. Uh, speaking of deals, there was a deal that was made in the National Basketball Association. It's been a busy few weeks in Arizona specifically, and today a couple of new faces were introduced. 
in Phoenix. The Suns held an introductory press conference for the, Super Bowl there? the big, big deal, which was Kevin Durant, who was acquired in last week's blockbuster trade with the Nets. And the Cardinals introduced new head coach Jonathan Gannon, who spent the last two seasons as the Eagles defensive coordinator. Former Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen was introduced yesterday as the Colts' new head coach. Are you surprised both of the coordinators from the team that lost the Super Bowl got head coaching jobs so quickly. He did lose. <laughs> yes, especially when lose. Eric Bieniemy is interviewing for the offensive coordinator's job. They they lost the Super Bowl, and the offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs, while they got head coaching jobs, is interviewing for another offensive coordinator job with a lesser team in Washington. Like, we need to dig deeper on this one for sure. Like, I won't be able to do it justice, but if you think it's just because Andy Reid is actually the offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy is not the offensive coordinator, then how the hell do you explain that the last two OCs before <laughs> Bieniemy were Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy? Like, either he's been sleeping with Bieniemy <laughs> or it's because he's black. Like, we've got to figure this one out a little more. I don't have the time right now to figure it out, but I'd like to have someone on yeah. and discuss how the hell, year after year, the Chiefs' offense is unbelievable, even when they lost Tyreek Hill and the offensive coordinator, who everyone's been talking about getting a head coaching job, hasn't gotten one when the two OCs, excuse me, the, the OC and the DC that he just beat are now head coaches. It's been at least, what, three years of the enemy being the... You would think the, the well, what, been top six, candidate? Six years as the yeah. OC. Yeah, since yeah, 2018 now. It's crazy. Um, the, part of the reason you don't have as much time today to dive deep into that is because uh, we got some highlights. Oh, yes, we do. We got some Tiger Woods highlights. Jesse's Tiger excited Woods about is this. back in action today at the Genesis Invitational Might not in be Los excited Angeles. about spring coming, but he's excited about Tiger Woods. You're absolutely right. It's his first official event since he missed the cut at the Open Championship at St. Andrews in July and his first start in a non-major since way back in 2020. Well, how's it going for the big cat, Timmy? Good thing there's a desk there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> First tournament <laughs> since the Zozo Shut in 2020. Up, 844 <laughs> days ago, first non-major. Par 5 That's first, Tiger. Move. Third shot. Leave it alone. <laughs> 39 yards out. <laughs> Still got the touch, does Tiger. Settles inside four feet, and he doesn't miss those. 15-time major champ. One under through one. What is this? Dealing with ankle issues two years after his car accident, making sure it's wrapped tightly. I mean, that's, you almost see that. After a bogey on four, Tiger testing out the ankle on five. Awkward stance. Vintage. Tiger able to punch it out, but the ball ends up uh, in a so bunker. Vintage. Yeah, <laughs> this has been this vintage as of, uh, as of late. The 47-year-old comes up with a great shot out of the sand. He manages to save par. That's a scramble. That's Stays nice, yeah. Even through five. To the par four, seventh we go. Tiger. Second shot from the bunker. All over the beach today. 127 to the hole. And look at this. Woo. A beauty. Giving himself a, a couple look famous shots out at of the beach, birdie. Eh? Just a few. One specifically in Canada, I do remember. Mm -hmm. Ah, misses the birdie putt, settles for his fifth. You know they haven't part. missed a shot of Tiger Woods since he got on the course and they started the broadcast? Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise you though. Like at all, right? Next hole, Tiger starting to feel it. Second shot from 113 out, spins it back. Oh, that's nice. When are we showing Max Homa? Couple feet from the hole. John Rahm? 
birdies and now sits at one under par, six back. Did you make this back? Yeah, well, I, I might have <laughs> handed it. Uh, six back One at Max Homa, good. But we didn't show. And I don't think the broadcast showed anymore, quite frankly. So that's just the way uh, the way it goes. One under through eight's not bad. No, it's great. Oh. All right, we'll keep an eye on uh, yeah. Tiger Woods that we know that the broadcast will. Fantastic. As well. All right, still to come, Shai Davidi joins us after an eventful day in Dunedin. CPL Commissioner, CEO of Canadian Soccer Business, Mark Noonan, on the ongoing fight between Canada Soccer, the players, and how his group may be able to help. And speaking of, after the break, Rash Badani joins us from Orlando ahead of Canada and the United States at the She Believes Cup. They play under protest. So does Jesse, apparently. Austin Matthews is back in the lineup. That's uh, exciting. I, mean, I got a lot of drawing going. Uh, excited to just get back out there and compete with the fellas. Cross, Matthews scores! And that's a beauty! Austin Matthews back and back on the board! Number 35 for the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant. How would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? We just didn't get on the court enough. I think when you seen James, Kyrie, and myself, it was it was amazing basketball for 17 games, though. Another messy day when it comes to the dispute between Canada's gold medal-winning women's soccer side and the CSA. We're talking about the, the Olympic champions here. To have their federation meet them this way after winning world championship is just wild to me. Amidst some controversy, the controversy that we have talked about for the last couple of days, well, the last couple of weeks, well, the last couple of months, all right, years, the Canadian national and women's soccer team will kick off the Four Nation She Believes Cup on one soccer tonight as they face their arch rivals, the United States of America. These teams have met just once since the Olympics. Canada beat the States 1-0, of course, at the Tokyo Games, which was only their fourth win in 63 all-time meetings with the U.S. squad. All right, given those numbers, it is uh, suffice to say that facing the U.S. on its own is a big enough task. Doing it under protest against your own federation, well, that's something altogether different. I promised that we would dig a little deeper on the issues surrounding that protest and the turmoil surrounding Canada soccer. And we will do that over the next two segments. Uh, Canada Soccer Business CEO Mark Noonan is coming up in a rare interview. But first, uh, we'll do a little bit more context on the woman and what they are asking for from Arash Medani. Um, and before we get to Arash Medani, we're hearing word that the women will wear purple in efforts for gender equity. I don't know if that's for the game or on their jerseys, but either way, they will be wearing purple tonight. So Arash Medani now joins me from Orlando and the She Believes Cup. Arash, first off, thanks for this. And job action, strike, whatever you want to call it, it lasts a day. The women speak to the media and say they were forced back by a threat of litigation from Canada soccer, but they will play under protest. Not ideal. What's the latest? Well, well, no, not ideal at all. No. And it's it's amazing, Tim, because this is a World Cup year. Yeah. And we're not just talking about a team that, you know, may have just qualified. We're talking about the reigning Olympic champions. Now, you mentioned the wearing purple in protest. 
The players announced about half an hour ago that they are going to wear uh, purple because it's historically been associated with efforts to achieve gender equality. And they said they're going to continue to wear purple until the association has standards in place that ensure equal treatment and opportunity. And it looks and sounds as if it's going to be different shades of purple triangle with a maple leaf in the middle of it is what you're going to see tonight. And this all happens three years after USA Soccer went through a similar protest with their federation. And uh, Megan Rapinoe was the face of it then. And yesterday she stood in solidarity with her Canadian counterpart, uh, counterpart and said this of what Christine Sinclair and company are doing. I mean, we're talking about the, the Olympic champions here. So, um, you know, that's that was so well-deserved and such a huge step forward for them. And to have their federation, you know, meet them this way after winning world championship is just wild to me. But, um, you know, I think we're all with them all the time. And obviously the fans should have the same energy. Interesting. Isn't that wild, Tim? I mean, yeah. you have one of the fiercest rivalries in sport, Canada-USA. And yet it seems, when you hear that from Rapino, that the Americans appear to be more supportive of the Canadian women's team than their own federation. Yeah. And, and through all of this, it's Sinclair again showing that she truly exemplifies leadership. And she's got a lot to lose, don't forget. This is the twilight of her national team career, but it's the captain's voice that stands tallest of all again. Seems a very long time, and it has been a constant battle with the leadership of CSA. You can't beat around the bush. Like something yeah. has to change. I don't with the success of both programs. There's no way that we should be facing the current reality that we are facing. There's something needs to change. This is to be the golden age of Canadian soccer. More corporate dollars than ever before. The men qualified for Qatar with young stars aplenty. The women are contenders to win the World Cup this summer. Except, except in its infinite wisdom, the governing body of the sport in this country has told the players that millions of dollars are being slashed from the women's program now. We haven't really been told why the budget cuts have happened. Obviously on the backs of the most successful couple of years that our national teams have ever experienced all the new sponsors. This could be our most important fight that we ever have as national team players, and it's one we're determined to win. You think of all the moments from Sinclair over the years and her stature. Nobody has more goals. Nobody has mattered more to the sport. Put it on the map. Little girls wanted to be Christine, and then one of them scored the penalty to win Olympic gold. And think of what this says about the captain. But this is the most important fight of all. But what we are asking for is preparation similar to the men's from last year. This federation, these programs had, have made huge advancements in recent years, um, and it's time that we are treated like the men. That's it. Equity. Fairness. It's pretty disgusting that we're having to ask just to be treated equally. It's a fight that women all over the world have to partake in every single day, but quite frankly, we're really sick of it. And not just for the national team. Pushing for a structure where there are resources to fund a youth program to bring in the next generation of footballers. The players voted to strike, and then Canada soccer threatened a lawsuit. 
So they'll play tonight in protest. What we're asking for are fundamental changes in the way that the CSA operates in order to operate our national teams at a world-class level consistently, to hold people accountable to operating at a world-class level every single year and make sure that we have mechanisms in place so next year in 2025 and 2027, you know, we're not sitting and having the same conversations that we're having now and we're not in this same position. But make no mistake, Sinclair is hell-bent that if things don't change, it gets messy this spring before the Summer's World Cup. You know, there's a, a FIFA window coming up in April. We have said that if things are not just addressed, if things aren't fixed, we will not be going to that camp. All right, or as I've been saying for a long time now, either you're in or you're in the way. Let's figure this out. Arash, you say basic necessities. Is there a way to illustrate that in its simplest form? Well, I mean, just by the way, there's a goal. It's a friendly between Japan and Brazil right now. Uh, the Brazilians just scored. Look, what they're asking for are just basics, Tim. Right. Like support staff, more trainers, assistant coaches, masseuse, strength coaches, etc. But beyond just that, forget the staff and the coaches, everything. How about simple preparation? Lead up to Tokyo, the Olympics in 2021, they had 28 players to get ready. At this tournament in Orlando, the number of position players, 20. 20. So if they wanted to have a scrimmage to get ready in training, they're one ankle sprain away from being unable to go 11 on 11. Like it's basic stuff. Right. Um, Sinclair and the players are asking for a change at the Canada soccer level. The Federation gets funding from the government. We talked about this yesterday. Um, where are the feds in on all of this? as of today? Well, this is where it can get interesting to me um, because let's go back not that long ago with what happened with Hockey Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their now former executives ended up in Ottawa to answer on Parliament Hill. And that same committee that brought them in is the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage, and they are now on alert. Uh, Anthony Ausfather is an MP. He's on that committee. And when you start digging into governance and what the arrangement may be with Canada soccer business, this could get very interesting and very revealing. Well, we're going to talk to Canada soccer business next. And, and Arash, I want to thank you for this. And I wonder what corporate Canada's response will be to all this because we saw that in Hockey Canada. Uh, but appreciate you dropping in uh, under different circumstances. And uh, perhaps we can check back in very soon. Okay, thanks, Jimmy. All right, there is Arash Madani in Orlando for the She Believes Cup. Now, I want to mention that it's not just the women in action. Uh, the Canadian men's U-17 team is playing the CONCACAF Championship. Now, yesterday they lost 1-0 to the United States of America. It was Canada's only loss in the group stage, and thus they finished second in their group. Round of 16, up next for the boys. So while we're talking about the grassroots system, there you're seeing it right there. And speaking of... Canada soccer, national team members, friends of the show, Sam Atakube and Atiba Hutchison both play professionally in Turkey. They have partnered with the Red Cross to help those affected by the devastating earthquakes in Turkey, in Syria. If you have the will and the means to help Red Cross Canada, they can definitely use your friends. Now, Canada Soccer tweeted a link, and of course, uh, going to the source, redcross.ca will help 
a ton. All right, coming up, we will continue this conversation with the input of Mark Noonan, who is the CEO of the aforementioned Canada Soccer Business. Many in the game have been asking to hear from them. We'll do that next, right here on Tim and Friends. All right, so hopefully the previous segment you got an idea of where Canada soccer finds himself, knee-deep in Kaká, and I'm not talking about the Brazilian midfielder. Yes, knee-deep in it, despite being in the midst of what should be an incredible growth period for soccer in this country. I mean, I sat at this very desk after standing in the freezing cold with my son for 90-plus minutes versus Jamaica and watching Canada finish off a dominant men's performance in CONCACAF and book a trip to the first World Cup since 1986 for the country. I did a speech the next day on what it meant to footballers in this nation and fans of the game who, let's be honest, thought that they would never see the day where the women were Olympic gold medal champs and the men were top of the table in CONCACAF. Never mind a World Cup coming to home soil. Yet, here we are still. No Canada soccer deal with the men or the women, both head coaches being wooed by other organizations, and the women's team playing their arch rivals under protest tonight. Less than ideal, as I said yesterday. Now, as a fan and a journalist, I promised that I would dig a little deeper. And that digging has led me and others to the Canadian soccer business. And their CEO and commissioner of the Canadian Premier League, Mark Noonan, has agreed to an interview and he joins me now. First off, Mark, nice to meet you and thank you for helping us and our audience and soccer fans in this country to understand what the CSB's role should and can be in this and how you think you can help. Thanks for doing this. You, you bet, Tim. Thanks for having me on. And, and that introduction got me fired up, uh, just hearing about all the progress that, 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 that Canada soccer is making. I, I, I'm fired up about it, and I was fired up about, about it last year. Let, let's start with the context surrounding your organization, because the problems I just talked about aren't on you or your country, or, or your company, excuse me. Uh, these are all deals that need to be made with Canada Soccer. But I read a story that described the CSB as essentially marketing Canada's soccer product on and off the field uh, via broadcast and sponsorship agreements and that you pay the CSA, Canadian Soccer Association, a set amount each year with the rest helping fund the Canadian Premier League. Is, is that a fair starting point for the audience? Yeah, so, so Canadian soccer business is essentially leasing these rights, the commercial rights, which primarily include uh, media and sponsorship from Canada soccer uh, with, the, with the goal of developing that, that revenue stream um, to grow the sport, of, the sport of soccer. And to give you a little bit of context, um, you know, back when this deal was struck, um, there was nobody at the table except for us. And not only do we make a multi-year, multi-million dollar guarantee that goes up every single year, um, I can guarantee you that we haven't uh, received a single distribution from that investment. In fact, we are still underwater in that investment. Um, and uh, you know, there's I, I see all these grace, grossly exaggerated reports that we're stealing money, but we couldn't be anything further from the truth. And I invite anybody to come and see how hardworking women and men we have in the office trying to make this uh, make this work get big, bigger and better every day. Okay, so I'm a fan, and I didn't know a ton about the CSB till I did some digging. And I know yeah. you said earlier this week 
that you believe that the CSB has been misunderstood and, quote, we probably haven't done a good job at telling people what fair. it's all about. So, yeah. so give me yeah, that's, the, that's the, fair. the wiki version of what the CSB is trying to accomplish with these investments and, and with this partnership with Canadian soccer. Yeah, we're, we're a developing soccer country, and a developing soccer country needs everything. It needs uh, a pro league, for instance, in order for FIFA to grant it a World Cup. Without CPL, there's no World Cup. A developing country needs infrastructure, and we're building stadiums. A developing country needs player development, and through our investment in League One Canada, um, we're creating things like the first women's interprovincial championship. And we have 1,500 uh, women that have gone through our League One programs and 2,000 men that have gone through our League One programs. And hundreds of them have gone on to the professional game, both here and, and, and abroad. So it's not just Canada soccer. It's not just CPL. It's not just League One. It's all of it in, in, in developing that because we're at a very, very early stage as a soccer nation. Right. And anyone who watches this show knows how much I care about domestic pro leagues. I think every 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 sport in this country needs a domestic pro league in order to to Amen. funnel not just talent, but like officials, yeah. people who can run teams. So mm -hmm. as, as we kind of take these baby steps together, I know the, the CSB released a statement suggesting that you wanted to help find solutions for the women's team. In, in what ways Absolutely. can you do that, Mark? You know, we 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 want we want to be an ally, and the first thing uh, is having a dialogue with the team, and we've reached out to the to the team to have that dialogue to understand what the what what the needs are, and we have some ideas, but I don't want to presume I know what they need before having that 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 dialogue. Um, we've we've said publicly that uh, we believe strongly that. Um, uh, they need a send-off game domestically, and we're working toward that with Canada Soccer. We've had two of our owners who have uh, the right-sized stadiums come to us and say, we'll, we'll give you the stadium rent-free. How do we make sure as much money from those games goes back into Canada Soccer uh, to fund the programming that, that needs to be funded? So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can amend our relationship. There's some rights that, uh, that Canada Soccer has retained in their agreement that aren't generating any value for them right now that perhaps we might be able to 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 take over assignment of and generate a value and contribute more money back to canada soccer right we want to be part we, we want to be a good partner i want to have christine sinclair and janine becky and Jonathan David and, and and Osorio coming with us to sales meetings because we're all aligned as a sport because we have to understand we're competing against basketball, we're competing against football, we're competing against every other sport, every other form of entertainment. Right. And we need to get soccer aligned because within the next decade, if we do, we'll be the number one sport in Canada. Okay, quickly, because I'm a little bit of a nerd, I know that Canada basketball has a similar agreement with the CEBL because I believe in those domestic pro leagues leagues but but let me ask you this have you offered this to Canada soccer and if not why haven't they jumped at it yet yeah we, we we've we've gone to Canada soccer several times and we're working on it we had a meeting uh th this week um we we are we are working on that right now but understand that you know we're, we're we're one small part of the equation you know our our 
are the revenues that we contribute to Canada soccer are, are minor compared to a lot of the other re revenue streams. So I can't, I can't speak to that. We've never been involved in any kind of labor negotiation. That's not our role, right. uh, but we want, we want to be a good partner to Canada soccer. We want to get alignment with the players. Um, we want to make sure they have the resources they need to be successful on the field, because guess what? When they're successful on the field, this sport is going to grow. This sport grows. That helps our entity. Okay, so you mentioned the revenue streams. From what I've read, uh, none of the prize money going to the men's or women's team goes directly or goes to the CSB at all, nor does Canada Soccer's uh, marketing licensing, ticket licensing, or jersey sales. I know that you've worked in soccer or football for decades, um, MLS, U.S. national team. The question is, in, in your mind, is that enough to fund all of our national programs, what the CSA is taking in on their side? I can't, I can't answer that question because it's not my organization. Right. Um, I, I, we're doing the, we're doing everything we can to support it, uh, both directly, but also indirectly what we're doing. I mean, you think about there are four referees going to the, uh, the, the Women's World Cup in New Zealand and Australia, and all four of those are getting games in the Canadian Premier League, including three, three female referees. And right. you know, that doesn't happen without the investments that we're that we're making and um you know i but i i don't control canada's soccer budget i don't control their right. their, their labor negotiations uh, we, we're doing our everything we can from where, where where we sit to help okay so let me refine that question a little bit it seems to me yeah. like the money should start coming in i mean world cup two world-class teams if this is done right from all sides we should be a proper footballing nation, and the money should be coming in. It's reported that you guys are paying CSA a guaranteed rights fee uh, of between three to four million dollars a season, and that deal can run anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Does that rights fee or money paid out to players increase as the business grows here? Whether the, the the teams win or lose, our guarantee increases every single year. And we've gone to Canada Soccer um, and saying that there's some things that we can do to increase that further. Uh, we have some ideas for the players that we would need to discuss directly with the with, with the players. And also, again, I, I don't want to presume I know what they need, but we, we have some ideas, the thought starters we'd like to like to, to, to share. But understand something, as painful as this is right now, um, five years ago, nobody cared. They, 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 there was nothing for anybody to argue about. We're at a point where if, if you talk to you know, our investors, former national team guys, you know, Rob Friend was laughing the other day. Uh, Rob was saying, I'm six foot five. I was middle seat on a plane down to uh, Central America. Um, I couldn't have been happier. I was making no money for my federation. I was playing for my club, but it was such an honor for me to, to, to represent my country. And you hear guys like that, that are the kind of the founding founding fathers of the sport. And you get a great appreciation of how lucky we are right now uh, that this country has developed to the point where we are arguing over resources. Right. right. And, I, and that's a really fair point because I work at a national sports station and there was no TV deal. This, they couldn't get on national TV and full and full disclosure. And to be fair, that was part of this equation the entire time. So the one other thing that I got to ask is about the statement that came out from the men 
um, on Friday, I believe it was. And they said they called, uh, you know, your group of for-profit minor league soccer teams. Um, and they said that the CSB has used name, image, and likeness for commercial purposes without players' consent or compensation. I- is that accurate? Absolutely not. And let me say something first. As an American uh, working in Canada, the term minor league, as far as I know, has never been associated with soccer. Minor league baseball in America, sure. So that that that, that statement was a, an absolute cheap shot mm-hmm. at the the men and women that are building the Canadian pre- Premier League. What would you would you rather not have a, a a professional men's league in this country? And by the way, we are a tier one league no different than major league soccer the english premier league the bundesliga we have two direct uh, spots into the champions league but as it relates to the name image and likeness thing you know in the previous life i was the, the head of integrated marketing for the gatorade brand we had a deal with the nba with nascar with the N- nfl with major league baseball with the nhl mm-hmm. every one of those contracts has what's called a group license in it and the group license is designed actually to protect the players because the group license in this case we're talking about a group of four is that you must use at least four athletes in equal equal parts uh, so as not to take an advantage of uh, a, a superstar like Christine or Alfonso. Uh, Alfonso. So, you know, we follow those regulations. We deal with some of the most sophisticated advertisers in the world, like Gatorade, who understand them better than anybody and respect them. And they understand the difference between a personal individual endorsement and a group license. And the group license is designed to protect the players, but also give people the ability to go out and market the sport which we desperately need. We need the, the the CIBCs. We need the Gatorades. We need these great partners going out and marketing our sport and our athletes. So, so it's obvious, you know, the players, professional, youth, all the way up in our system, in our program, should benefit from the CSB deal with the CSA. And what you're saying here is they can, right? We sure we sure hope so. We want we want to be a partner. We want to be hand in hand. We are doing doing our very very best to provide the resources, the the marketing expertise, and and and, and importantly, the incredibly hard work that our, our men and women women are doing every single day to uh, you know, to, to to grow this sport. And you know, I, I welcome anybody to come into our office and, and and meet the people, see the people that are doing doing this work because uh, I think they'd be pleasantly surprised. Hey, I know this is a tough time to be introduced to the country with all this controversy swirling around, but I want you to know that I appreciate that and appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Yeah, thank, thank you, Tim. It's what I signed up for, and I'm more excited today than I've ever been about the prospects uh, uh, for the sport. And let's get everybody on the same page so we can uh, we, here, can, we here. can realize that potential. Here, here. Either you're in or you're in the way is what I've been saying for a couple months now. Mark, yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. you doing this. Great. Thank you, Tim. Have a great night. You too. There is uh, the commissioner of the CPL and CEO of Canadian Soccer Business, Mark Noonan. Now, full disclosure here, uh, we asked for Nick Bontis, the president of the CSA, to come on and talk about this. We were politely declined, but we did receive a statement from Canada Soccer and a Canadian soccer spokesperson who said, and I quote, our sole priority is to address the requests of the women's national team players, which we are doing and continue to work together towards a resolution. We are doing everything we can to get all parties across the finish line and we want to reach an historic agreement anchored in fairness and pay equity with both of our women's and men's national 
team players. The way we get there is to concentrate on our ongoing discussions with the players and their respective legal counsel, not through the media, end quote. Hope this provides a little bit more insight for all the soccer fans and beyond out there. All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, we are switching gears, kids. That's right. From soccer to baseball on the other side, we're seeing the sunshine from Dunedin. Six weeks away from the Jays season over. Pitchers and catchers all in camp. Rob Manford in town. A busy day in Dunedin. We'll catch up on all of it. Excited evening next here on Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs, back here. Final half hour. Tim and friends, Shadavidi live from Dunedin in a few minutes. I'm excited about this after a busy day in Florida. Uh, plus, we'll talk NBA and game time as they wrap up the unofficial first half of the season. But first, let's get to the night on the ice, starting in Calgary. Flames hosting the Wings at the Saddle Dome. See it regionally on Sportsnet West. Seven local, nine Eastern time. Wings coming off a win in Edmonton. Flames blew it late in Ottawa in their last game with more on Calgary. Let's send it live to our Flames correspondent, Ryan Leslie. What's going on, Ryan? Timmy, yes, you mentioned it. And boy, Calgary uh, lost that game. Still uh, kind of sitting with them rather heavy, that uh, loss in Ottawa. They've lost through their last four games. And now they've got a bit of a homestand here before heading back out onto the road again. They've got three games here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They're going to go with Dan Vladar, and that is interesting for a number of reasons because he has been a fairly consistent performer when called upon. Uh, obviously, Jacob Markstrom has been the number one goaltender, but the numbers haven't been there, and the wins simply just haven't been there. And when asked about it yesterday, Daryl Sutter said, our goalies have been streaky. He's not wrong. One has been streaking on the winning side, and one has been struggling to find those wins. So you wonder now if this is an opportunity a real one for Dan Vladar to try and run with it. Time will tell, but certainly uh, Daryl Sutter very loyal to Jacob Markstrom, and rightly so. It's a goaltender who's very proud and certainly very accomplished in this league. And, you know, all eyes also on that back end for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, who, uh, as some will recall, uh, was injured in a scooter accident in Detroit, of all things, and it looks as though he has been medically cleared and just waiting on official Good. words. So we could see Rasmus Anderson back in the lineup tonight, and certainly they're going to kick things off with uh, a tribute to Paul Girard, the uh, former assistant here in Calgary uh, for two years. He passed away yesterday. Sad news across the hockey landscape, Tim. Yeah, without a doubt, a lot of people speak very highly of that man. Uh, all right, so uh, listen, I understand this is a big game. I understand given where Calgary is in the standings, all of these points really matter. So is it wrong that I'm kind of sort of already looking ahead to the Flames and Rangers on Saturday night, Leslie? <laughs> That was a barn burner, and maybe the best game we've seen, not only this year, but maybe for some time. The last game, uh, Detroit and Edmonton, was pretty darn good as well. But uh, you go back to that game that kicked off, uh, you know, getting out of that all-star and bye week break for Calgary. You go into New York, and that was a thriller. It had everything, and I know we've talked about it. Everybody's been talking about it for some time, but let's hope on Saturday night, the bright lights, uh, hockey night in Canada, what a thrill it will be. Uh, to see those two teams go at it. Let's hope it lives up to the hype. Is Sammy Blay going to be there? 
I don't think so. I think Lucic might have a little bee in the uh, bonnet, enough, though. He, uh, they shipped him out after yeah, that I performance, know. yes. I know. I think Lucic might have. Regardless of who's there, I, I got a feeling Milan might have a bee in the old bonnet. Hey, thanks for doing this. Always appreciate you jumping on. Good to see you. There is uh, Ryan West. There's a little something about a bonnet. All right, meantime, Jay, the Jets <laughs> take the show on the road to Columbus and face their former teammate Patrick Liney. Sam Gagne set to return to the lineup while David Riddick starts once again in net with Connor Hellebuck once again out. He missed the last game with illness, but he is on the four-game road trip. And we'll see the Jets do the New York circuit next. All right, the Canadians also in action tonight. It is Canes and Canadians in Carolina. Gattigan, since you understood, Sean Monaghan traveling with the team, but won't return tonight. Habs have won three straight, while the Canes have won eight of ten to sit atop the Metro Division. Said it a couple times, kids. Jays, pitchers, and catchers officially reporting for duty today in Dunedin. Jesse now acting as though he's pumped. Six weeks out from the season opener with the team's first spring training game just nine days away. GM Ross Atkins met with the media a short time ago, and he likes his team, Barry. We feel very good about the team that we have. Um, you know, I think over the course of the last three to four years, the uh, the strides that our, our young players have made, the players that were drafted here, some traded for, have been developed here, that have just continued to improve, have experienced some winning, and then having added to that uh, over you know the course of the last three to four years, and then now this offseason, a lot of versatility, a lot of balance to our, our team and to our roster. Um, in addition to that, being really excited about the potential high-impact additions that uh, we feel will take some pressure off of the young core that I mentioned. And that just puts us in a really healthy position to, um, you know, to compete and, and take another step. And I guess uh, the way that I'm thinking about it is I feel like we're in a stronger position than we were yesterday and the week before and the year before. Meantime, LLB Commissioner Rob Manfred also in Dunedin today as he does his spring training tour around the parks with all the talk with the upcoming season fast approaching. Uh, was around the league's new implemented rule changes. Is Manfred? There is risk. I mean, you you can't, you can't change without there being risk. Um, and uh, you know, I think that I, I would say two things. Number one, I do appreciate the fact that play at the major leagues is different than play in minor league baseball. We experimented there because it was the best proxy that we had. That's certainly one risk that it's going to play a little differently at the, the major league level. And look, there's going to be a period of adjustment. That, we, we all understand that. And, you know, you don't want um, that period of adjustment to be uh, rough in the sense that you have game outcomes that are changed as a result of people adjusting to the rules. Um, over the long haul, we believe that the benefit that we will see from these changes make it worth the risk. All right, kids. Busy day in Dunedin, eh, Jesse? I mean, we got pitchers and catchers officially reporting. Uh, Ross Atkins spoke to the media. Mm -hmm. uh, John Schneider spoke to the ink-stained homeboys and girls. And Rob Manfred in town. So Shai Davidi joins me now. Shai, are, are we a bit busy today, Shai? What's going on? 
Yeah, you forgot that there were also several other GMs from, and managers of other clubs uh, that are based in Florida here as well. So, yeah, definitely a lot cooking at the complex today. Where, where the hell are yeah, you? what's going on? This is the, uh, behind me is the covered infield. Ah, uh, the nice. Blue Jays will sometimes use this uh, if it's extremely hot and sunny or if it's raining uh, or if they just need uh, an infield only to do a little bit of work. And then in front of me behind the camera is uh, where the batting cages are. So we're just going to in between a couple areas. Uh, and this is where uh, Commissioner Ram uh, Manfred just spoke. That's awesome. And I, I think in the infield only area is the only place where I could hit a home run. So so then what, what are you working on? <laughs> Shy, you've had all of this material. Like, what's the story today? Well, uh, I've already written a couple pieces. I wrote about the rule changes uh, earlier this morning and uh, talked about the, their impact on Kevin Gosman. And I think he's going to be one of the interesting test cases uh, in terms of how the the ancillary rules around the pitch clock are going to impact uh, some pitchers, right? And He's someone that was identified by Major League Baseball to clubs as, you know, someone who is the, has the type of delivery that could potentially be in violation of the way the pitch clock is going to be applied uh, because he's got a little bit of that rock, that toe tap mm -hmm. uh, in his delivery when he comes set. And sometimes there isn't a clear, discernible stop there. And in order to disengage the timer to you know to stop the the countdown to make sure that you're not in violation of the 15 seconds there has to be a stop before you come set and start the start your pitching motion right. so that's something that he's going to have to adjust to he spoke a little bit today about he recognizes that umpires are going to be on the lookout for him and it's certainly something that he's going to be working through over the next six weeks to make sure it doesn't become an issue once the bell rings uh, i love the couple of stories today like that's a, that's a little flex, flex, yeah, flex, little flex from Shai to me. I absolutely love it. love it. So when you're writing this rules piece, and obviously Gossman's a guy, uh, we were talking about Luis Garcia and Rocket the Baby and how he'll have to adjust yeah. on the fly here. But there are like some, I, I, I think personally, Shy, that there's going to be a period of adjustment here and we might even see some wacky stats or maybe even some wacky standings early. How quick do you think the adjustment will be for Major League teams? I think it's going to be all over the place because you're adjusting to multiple things, yeah. right? So, yes, there's the pitch clock, but there's also only one timeout for a batter per at-bat. So that's going to impact the way hitters do things at the plate. And then there's only two disengagements from the mound uh, for a pitcher. So you can only pick off twice. And so how is that going to impact stolen bases? Mm -hmm. And then the bases are also a little bit bigger. So the distance is a touch shorter. And sometimes that's enough for that, you know, hundredth of a second to make a difference between being safe and being out. So our team's going to be a bit more aggressive with their base running. And so all these things play into one another in multiple ways. And then you think about the shift over on top of that. And, you know, just talking to a handful of people around the game, everyone's trying to figure out, okay, how is this team going to approach you? Who's going right. to game this? You know, the Tampa Bay Rays are probably going to do something wacky, right? Because that's <laughs> yeah. what they do. Yeah, and exactly and the Los is. Angeles Dodgers are probably going to figure it out and do it better than everybody else. So everybody's <laughs> going to end up copying them to some degree. So... There's a lot of guesswork, and it's interesting. One thing the Blue Jays want to do 
especially with their infielders and a little bit with their pitchers, is they're going to have guys running the bases just chart creating chaos all, uh, in different scenarios right. just to see how you, how they react to it because they've got some ideas about how he's going to play, but ultimately nobody's really sure just yet. Yeah, that's going to be the fun of this is like figuring out how people are going to try and find an advantage. Like, do you think on the shift, Shy, we'll see guys like basically lining up on on just the left side of second base and then moving over once the pitch is delivered? Do you think we'll see uh, outfielders, maybe like a right fielder coming in closer, playing shallow, shading a left fielder over and then bringing, you know, uh, a center fielder right behind that right fielder? Like, how do you see this playing out? Well, the first scenario that you mentioned, they can't do that because infielders aren't allowed to cross over. Right. Uh, w- uh, once the once I meant the, ball, the batter's the left side. Play, I'm sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so but you can't have like say a, uh, the shortstop be in motion when the pitcher starts his delivery and then run over into a spot in the field and then try to get set. Right. You yeah. the the two infielders have to remain on either side of second base. So that's one. So you thing, can't even shuffle over the, after the pitch. No, okay. no, you can't. And, and, and if you do, then you could potentially be in violation and teams can, use, can replay challenge of that right. and you can negate a pitch, you can get a call. And, you know, if, if you are in violation, uh, you know, there is even the potential for, let's say you have a good outcome, uh, the, 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 the team, the offensive team can actually decline, decline the, the penalty, penalty essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I mean, there, there's a lot of wild stuff to this, so uh, that's certainly one scenario. But the other piece you brought up, like teams can go to a two-man outfield. I mean, they could play, uh, they could bring one of their outfielders and stick him right in the infield. You could have three infielders on one side, two on the other. That's still fair game. But at that point, it becomes a bit of a risk calculation. Yeah. Do you want to risk giving up extra bases? And it's one thing when you were, you know, maybe potentially giving up a single, but now you're maybe giving up a double or triple. That's a lot more damage. So at least the initial assessment is that teams are probably going to be reluctant to do that in most cases maybe in an extreme case if a batter is it, it, the the data is just so compelling on a batter's tendencies mm-hmm. that maybe you, you risk go, risk that but you know at this point i just it's hard to imagine teams doing that on any sort of a regular basis because of the j- just how dangerous it is to give up extra bases. All right, Chai, you know, uh, you, you've been around me enough to know that I'm a fan. I go down to games. I go to minor league games. Like, I am a fan of the game of baseball. And as a fan, I have two massive pet peeves. One of them is when there's a fly ball, just watch the outfielders. Don't go, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's going out. And everyone yells and screams, and it's like a lazy fly ball to shallow right field. The other one is when a pitcher throws to first. So with these disengagement rules, are we going to eliminate pitcher throws to first and well, I mean, you might actually cheer it because once it, each time they throw it, it brings uh, the number it, down. It brings to uh, a close that yeah, their yeah. number of disengagements <laughs> down. So it actually makes it more difficult for the pitcher. I don't know. So maybe you cheer it now. Uh, it is interesting because among the research that MLB did in, did into it, that was one of the things that 
people liked least, uh, uh, that fans enjoyed least, pickoff attempts. Yeah. So I think that's certainly a byproduct of, or, or at least a part of the reason why you're seeing the, the limits on disengagement. I mean, mostly it's to ensure that pitchers aren't trying to use that to circumvent the, the time clock rules. Right. But it, it is ultimately something that fans don't like to see either. But I, I'm really curious about the unintended consequences oh, for this. God. Because if you think, think about a scenario like you're first and third, you draw two pickoff throws, and at that point, you Huge can't lead. throw over anymore. Huge lead. Right? And so what happens? Like, yeah. uh, you know, if the, the guy at first starts charging and then – are you, is the guy at third going to be able to go halfway up the line? Uh, you know, you can still make a pickoff, but if you don't generate an out after making a pickoff throw, then it becomes a balk. Right. So that's part of the risk there. So I mean, there are a lot of a lot of wild scenarios, and I think there's going to be a lot of it. I think a lot of the chaos is going to come in the spring training games, yeah. and we'll maybe see teams hone their strategies a little bit for the regular season. That, that's why I'm so excited about the disengagement rule is because I think you'll see guys taking huge leads, and then they'll be getting picked off, and that, I think that's a great yeah. play. And, and even guys with big leads, and we've run out of time here, but even guys with big leads taking off, right? So you can, you can try and yeah. pick me off, but I'm gone. Yeah, and yeah. we should see more back picks as well, right? Because yeah. that might be another way for teams to control yeah. the size of that leads take of, of leads runners take. I'm down, and I'm going to read all of Shai Davidi's articles today on Sportsnet.ca because that's how you do baseball in this country. Shai, thanks for doing this, buddy. No problem, guys. Have a good one. There's Shai Davidi in Dunedin, and as you can see on your screen right now, Ross Atkins will join us tomorrow from maybe the same location. It'll be done Eden, but I don't know if it'll be in front of the, I like the, the, the indoor infield. I was confused by the... The hill in the back. That's right. Yeah. Didn't know why. He looked like he was from another planet for a second. Yeah, it, it did. It looked confused. like it was weird. Yeah, the depth perception thing was Very a little messed up. So. Yeah, I got you. All right, time for one last break. We'll get some <laughs> hockey, some NBA talk. Game time. Rubinoff takes over as we finish up yet another edition of Tim and Friends right here on Sportsnet and Sportsnet. How many articles did he write? I don't know. I didn't even get the final one. number. It was like something like 64, I think. One more, two more, three more. <laughs> We're just still in time between games here, kids. I think stole that, maybe. Here's what's on tap tonight in the Sportsnet family of channels. Hockey Central up next. Then we've got Stan Patrick, I'm pretty sure. Then we got the Bruins and the Preds across the country, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's more of a tip of the cap. Wings and Flames in Sportsnet West regionally. And the Sharks in Vegas later on Sportsnet 1. It's good. I like them. There you go. Uh, I have a couple tweets for you very quickly because we've got a lot to get sure. to here. Uh, Mike writes in and says, asks, do you think we will see the catchers holding the ball and stalling for pitchers? Yes. Yes. Very good, Mike. Yep. I like it. That's yes from both There's going to be a lot of this stuff, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think as long as you don't have a pickle lodge somewhere. Like the old school, yeah. like, let's stop this nonsense. Like Eventually me in the they first will. block. Like me in the first block. Right. They'll, yeah. fig- they'll <laughs> figure it out, and you can let the pickle fall. But at the start, it's going to be fun if you allow yourself to have the fun. Yeah, you want more action. I'm all for it. I do. All right, Josh writes in and says, Thank you for taking me to school on Canada soccer. I think that actually made me a bigger fan and will increase my interest in following the sport. Hashtag edutainment. Love it. Appreciate that, Josh, because I know that we may have lost a few people on that conversation uh, because they're like, I just don't like soccer. But there's a lot there, and we need to figure it out as a country, especially 
period national sports organizations period yeah exclamation point and we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it. we don't have a lot of talk, time to talk about it now but like one of my things might be that canada soccer is outgrowing canada soccer i got it no i got it okay i hope canada so. soccer the association canada soccer the team yeah. outgrowing yeah. canada soccer the association. the association got it uh one more brian leach says does tim know it's only thursday he's definitely got a friday vibe going on today <laughs> i agree very astute i agree okay here we go we gotta check back in on our boy tiger woods big cat himself. hey Part we four, didn't show eight. enough highlights earlier no, in the didn't. show par four eight <laughs> second birdie the <laughs> moves to one under par that is a birdie yeah right. par four tenth woods in the bunker uh no oh. Chunk. No, that's not good. Chunk's a lot of beach green. today. That looks the, like yeah, a lot of beach. Hop, eh? Yes. Baywatch himself. Uh, leads to a bogey. Drops back to even par. Look at the Canadians there. The Adams, Hadwin, and Svensson. Five and four. So Tigers, par. two birdies, two bogeys, even par. That's where we're at through 11. Yeah, he had a, a big uh, bogey save, apparently. A big putt to save bogey. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point. No. Uh, thank golf. It's Friday coming back soon. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Nice. We had thank golf. It's Thursday today. Okay. The Flames at home to the Red Wings tonight, and Flames legend Lanny McDonald is celebrating his 70th birthday today. The Hockey Hall of Famer captained Calgary to the only Stanley Cup in franchise history in 1989, but he's perhaps best known for his iconic mustache. Has there ever been a better stash? In the history of sports, uh, just for its thorough—I mean, this this is this is hanging in our Hall of Fame. I call it our Wall of Fame over there. That's more playoff like, beard. Come on, but you can see the yeah, stash course, through the yes. beard, right? Yes. Like, yes. there's the Wall of Fame. You got Joe Carter there. This is part of it yes. because it's so iconic, and part of why it's so iconic is because of the iconic mustache and it's because of its density the okay. breadth yeah it is just a real man stash uh, my favorite mustache of all time in sports because it was ahead of its time is adam morrison do you remember his wispy little mustache and the bad lid like that's every kid right now is it not yeah the slipper still fits it was way ahead of him like this is every 16 year old playing hockey at a local arena. I, didn't, I actually this, didn't know that. That's every that. white kid on a basketball court these that. days. Oh my that's God. A thing? Oh yeah. He was way ahead of his time. That because of Adam Morrison and Gonzaga? <laughs> every kid on your kid's hockey team? By that's the way, crazy. kid's a player, eh? Very interesting. Max uh, is a player. I've yeah, seen him. Player. in skate. No, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We, we, know, we, right. we know that. You know who's a player? Uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, three games in the NBA tonight, including Kevin Durant's Suns hosting the Clippers before the All-Star break begins tomorrow. The Suns introduce their Big new addition, KD, earlier today at a news conference with fans in attendance. This is bizarre. Durant remains out with a knee injury, but plans to return after the break. Phoenix is now the betting favorite to win the Western Conference, and Durant was asked about the pressure of postseason expectations. Did we get Durant? Real Durant? I know it's always it's pressure because I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. So every time... <laughs> so... So, so every time I step on the floor, people are going to expect me to do great things. And the team, I'm on to do great things. But I enjoy getting better as a player every day. I enjoy just waking up and getting to do this. Straight I, I, I have face. A, I have two quick questions for you. Straight face. I love it. Uh, why, when Kevin Durant says he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, he gets cheered? I know there are fans in attendance, but people are cheering that. When LeBron says it, he people don't like that. Okay, but like... Fans of the Suns cheered. 
And when I saw that online, I'm sure people were rolling their eyes. I, I, I saw a little bit of people being positive about it, and that's why I asked the question. So I was just confused about that, different perceptions. And do you think they're the best team in the West at this current point in time? No idea. Do I think they will be? Probably. Gotta stay Probably. healthy. Gotta stay healthy. Yeah, they've gotta stay healthy. They've had some injury concerns. Um, but I also don't like the rest of the West outside of Denver, and they didn't do enough at the deadline. Yeah. The West is bizarre. The whole league's kind of very tight this year. Very strange. I have a feeling that the Raptors might be really Yeah, I'm starting to feel that. It's a Friday vibe. Too. All right, that does it for us. We'll actually have a Friday show tomorrow. Meantime, Hockey Central, Carolyn Cameron, Justin Bourne, Luke Gadzik is next. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you again tomorrow.